0: Welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. We return to our interview with Ray McGovern, who is explaining a memo from Secretary of Defense Robert Gates on the question of whether Assange WikiLeaks in any way compromised sources and methods and personnel.
1: So two weeks later, there's the memo, and it says the allegations that anyone was wrapped up or hurt or so much as been spat upon, were, in Gates's words, quote, significantly overwrought, period, Mm -hmm. end quote. In other words, there wasn't a damn bit of harm, and that was attested to by the general in charge of NATO troops, in charge of the U.S. troops, and the Pentagon itself. And so the notion that the truth, by being just laid out there, Hurt our campaigns, such as they were in those countries, was without
0: merit. Ray, to that question, because that was something that I've read was has been dismissed as well. Is that he in any way revealed the the identities? In other words, there was s- some redactions yeah. going on to protect those types well, of this issues. Came up- Yeah,
1: Yeah, this came up at the trial, Mm -hmm. and he was able to prove that he sat through the whole night with these uh, Guardian editors to make sure that they kept sensitive information out of what they were releasing. They were more blasé about it. They went home to sleep, and uh, a couple of things did creep in there because of their negligence, not because of uh, Julian. So Mm -hmm. he did take seriously, making sure that no one was harmed unnecessarily. And what you said before... Is the, the operative thing here is that he dealt in documents, okay? Mm-hmm. He was given documents, and he didn't fool around with them, except on what I just mentioned, uh, deleting some names. And so his record for credibility is such that some of those documents were used in court cases to defend uh, people in court, and, and they worked as, as pristine, pure documents. You know... If you think back to 1970, 1971, when Dan Ellsberg, who's a good friend of mine, you know, when he was heroxing into the wee hours of the morning, employing some of his children to help him with the Pentagon Papers. Well, you know, years later, he and I said, my God, you know, we have to find some, some way to do this in a more expeditious way. Obviously, that was the Internet. And, you know, uh, Julian did it to a fairly well. My God, you know, Mm -hmm. not only do you not have to Xerox things anymore, you press a button. Mm -hmm. And in a secure way, you can get those documents to WikiLeaks and get them out into the open. Mm -hmm. Now... It's very difficult because people are very, very, very wary of trying to do this precisely because of what is happening as we speak to Julian Assange, Mm -hmm. maximum security prison, Belmarsh. He's been in the equivalent of prison for 10 years now. And the whole idea is to show what happens to somebody. You don't have to be an American. You could be anybody. You can live in Greenland. You can live in Iceland. you You can live in Antarctica. We're going to get you. Because our law says you say bad things about the United States, we're going to get you, and we're going to put you in prison.
0: And I think that's a great point, Ray, that trying to intimidate anyone from getting off the reservation when it comes to the information that may put our policies in a bad light. I mean, Assange is on trial, essentially— for telling the truth there's nothing that he has said that's been proven I've, that i 've come across that have been contrary to this truth telling by these documents and it's in the interest of what revealing war crimes and i and I want to highlight the crime part which makes yes. his work consistent with the public interest, which is the interest of our public our democratic majority public to know what our government policy is doing as it is executed in foreign lands. Assange is not doing it for money or for personal wealth, but arguably his interest is driven mainly by that it violates principles of fairness and and equal treatment under the law. And when you talk to his parents or hear his father or brother speak, particularly his father had a very passionate passage in which he talked about how little kids, they have a profound understanding of fairness and equality. I I remember remember that. That's not fair. You know, that type of thing. And that stayed with uh, Assange, and he refused to compromise those types of principles. Just a couple of more comments, if I could, Ray. These governments that, that he shows, namely ours, that has a pattern of committing these crimes or a pattern of promoting unjust wars that impact the world's people in such a way that the quality of life of the vast majority of these people in these countries, and I'm not talking just about the loss of life, but also the loss of life expectancy, the increased levels of, of poverty or extreme poverty. Such a pattern of behavior is not to be allowed to be publicly scrutinized and held accountable. I mean, th- these are the things that are so shocking to me that we have a media, and I know you're very aware of this. But when we have a media that time and time again doesn't ask the questions, doesn't do the research, and doesn't bring light to these things, then when you have these people like your friend Daniel Ellsberg or Julian Assange or these Afghan papers and you really see what's going on, this is what our press should be doing. I mean, this is their job that that they've abandoned and have created part of this problem. So lastly, Julian Assange is getting persecuted for these truthful revelations. Making them made available to the U.S. public becomes a crime, and then journalists will become afraid to write the truth, which is kind of what you're speaking to. So those are things that are absolutely required for democracy to to have any chance to succeed is the freedom of the press, right?
1: Sure. Well, you know, Assange has been accused of not only publishing secrets, but also of hacking Now, Mm -hmm. there is this phenomenon called the New York Times problem, and that is that there is something called the First Amendment, which specifies freedom of the press, freedom of speech, and which no publisher has ever been put in prison for violating because publishers are uh, guaranteed that right. Well, up until now, okay? Mm -hmm. Up until now. So. When Obama and Biden were in office, uh, Biden as vice President, uh, they faced a really sticky wicket here. After all, the New York Times published the same things that Julian Assange published, and how could they indict, prosecute, and put in jail Julian Assange when the New York Times had did exactly the same thing with the same material? Whoa, main problem, okay. And so they decided that they couldn't do that because the Constitution still existed. And even though it was under duress, the First Amendment would rule here. So what did they do? What did these smart lawyers do? Well, the FBI recruited a fellow named Ziggy, Ziggy the Hacker. And Ziggy was in Iceland and Ziggy was, ooh, he's a pedophile. He, he, was, he, he was not a good guy, and he was in real trouble. And so the, I said, well, the way you get out of trouble is, tell us the real story about Julian Assange. And so what did Diggy say? Oh, he manufactured all kinds of evidence. Do you know what Julian Assange did? He hacked into the accounts of Icelandic parliamentarians. Now, if you couldn't believe that, Pedro, I have a there's a bridge in Brooklyn that I'd like to to sell you for a really good price. Why the, in God's name would Julian Assange hack into the email accounts of Icelandic parliamentarians? It was a hoax through and through. Now, what what happened? Well, the FBI gave that to the Justice Department, and the Justice Department added that as a superseding indictment. In other words, you don't have to put Julian in jail for publishing material. No, no, no. He hacked. He hacked into the Parliament of Iceland. (laughs) Now, that's what the superseding indictment is now, as exists before the British. And guess what? Siggy recanted. He said, I made it all up. Uh, You know, I didn't really mean it. Uh, The FBI said, you know, did get me off easy. So I'm (laughs) Now, when did he recant? The end of June 2021, so last June. Uh, have you seen that in the New York Times?
0: I have no, not I seen it. Seen it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've just seen that in Washington. Post. So that's how bad it is. And how about the British? Don't they see any merit in the fact that the main accuser that provided material, so to speak, for the superseding indictment, has now recanted and said it wasn't all true? He made it all up?
0: No, no. Right.
1: They go ahead with it anyway, so... You know, I like to think back, what, 800 years ago, during the time of the Magna Carta, when there were some some English nobles, okay, Mm -hmm. who wrested some very precious rights from King John, okay? Right. Where are the English nobles now? Right. Where are they? It's a disgrace what's going on there, and the end of next month, in October, uh, we're going to learn more about what the high court, what the British high court is going to say now. And it doesn't look good. It looks like they're very much under the heel of the U.S. Justice Department, which is a misnomer on its face, U.S. Justice Department.
0: Well, let, let me just remind listeners that we are speaking with the distinguished Ray McGovern. He is a 27-year veteran of the CIA and a Briefer of, of many of our presidents, he is a also works exhaustively or inexhaustively, I guess would be the proper word for and on behalf of, of people in need. With his relationship to his uh, his church that we mentioned earlier, I wanted to also mention Ray and have you speak to this too, because in Honduras, this show bringing light into darkness, we have focused so much on foreign policy issues. Our show, like other shows, I'm sure, called out the Iraq accusations. In real time, back in the weeks and months leading up to the 2003 Iraqi invasion. That Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction as, without this incontrovertible evidence, and that he was responsible for 9-11, and he was harboring al-Qaeda, and all of that stuff. Somehow our Democrats and Republican leaders just got fooled with all of that. Despite all the intelligence at their disposal, We are supposed to believe that. Time and time again, whether it's the Russian bounty story or whether it's one thing after another, our media puts this stuff out from these anonymous sources without any type of evidence. It becomes part of the makeup of the psyche of the U.S. public, which makes them more prone to go along with these forays. But these WikiLeaks, this is what Julian Assange and his team were doing as they were showing and releasing documents that showed this Incredible pattern of lying to the American public time and time again. And I just wanted to mention in the 2009 June 28th coup in Honduras, since that coup that was enabled by uh, Hillary Clinton and the uh, Obama administration, that the Honduras had the highest murder rate for environmental activists in the world. Following the U.S.-supported coup, after getting Zelaya back out, that coup government allowed social forces to uh, totally intimidate the public. The military coup in 2009, since that time, and this was by 2018, some nine years later, over 110 Environmentalists had been killed, soaring numbers of journalists, trade unions, and human rights activists. And most famously, a a woman that we highlighted on the show many years ago, the the, the wonderful indigenous leader Berta Caceres, was murdered in 2016 after receiving over 25 to 30 death threats for opposing development projects like dams, mines, etc. I just use that as just one example. The actual WikiLeaks. From WikiLeaks came an admission by uh, Hugo Lorenz, L-L-O-R-E-N-S. He was the U.S. ambassador in Honduras. This is his words. There is no doubt that the military Supreme Court National Congress of Honduras conspired on June 28th in what constituted an illegal and unconstitutional coup against the executive branch. Yet we were denying that and not recognizing that or else we would have had to stop our military aid to that country and such. So that's just one small example in which WikiLeaks released U.S. embassy cables that revealed the deceitful presentation by the Obama administration led by Hillary Clinton to the American people regarding the Honduras coup a coup that we detailed in previous programs within the last couple of weeks that showed the majority population of Honduras had never been better served than by the Zelaya government that we cooed out. You're very aware of all these other examples that this information comes out. I wanted you, to, though, to speak to the issue that really concerns me, is that we are told how important classified materials are and that they need to remain confidential to ensure our national security of our nation and to protect our homeland. But what has been emerging instead as we we discover this stuff is that some of the most embarrassing documents eventually become classified, not to protect national security as its highest priority, but instead to withhold it from the U.S. public so that they're not aware of the lies, exaggerations, and misrepresentations that are commonplace. And so we've got the 9-11 coming up, Ray, and we have another five or six minutes. Since 9-11, we have been engaging in behaviors that have been doing much more to enable terrorism than to to, to defeat it. And We have documented that on previous shows, so we won't go back to that right now. But the issue of the classification, can you speak about the classification and misclassification, if you have any insights into that dynamic as another tool in the toolkit to keep the American public from knowing what's going on by our government? And then also, I would like you to reflect on the meaning of 9-11 for our country and homeland. Sure.
1: Sure. Yeah, I've thought a lot about uh, the ethics of whistleblowing. Matter of fact, one of the courses I have taught at the uh, Servant Leadership School was on the ethics of whistleblowing. Now, we intelligence analysts uh, like uh, we, Army officers like Anybody who works in a a major part of our government takes an oath, and that oath is quite simply to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's an oath. That's sacred, okay? That has a certain precious quality to it. Now, those of us who worked in intelligence, we also made a promise, a piece of paper, a little contract, which said we will not reveal classified material that would endanger national security. There's also a law that says nothing can be classified for the express purpose of covering up a crime, okay? Mm -hmm. So here we have a balance of two duties, really. One is a promise, and one is an oath. And uh, it's very very clear to me, and I have several ethicists who support this, who say that an oath is a, a superseding value. It's, an oath is sacred. A promise, well, a promise is important. You, you try to keep your promises, but it, it does not stack up against an oath. So when you see misdeeds not only covering up this illegal by classifying them, but you are in conscience pretty much prompted to reveal these misdeeds. That's how I come at this. And, you know, when you talk about 9-11, There is a very, very important op-ed written uh, for the uh, Los Angeles Times. The date is October 15, 2010, and it was written by two people intimately involved in what happened before 9-11. And the bottom line is simply this, that there was so much negligence, so much foot-dragging at the upper reaches of the FBI, for example, or the Federal Aviation Administration, or NSA, or other places, that these people, in retrospect, would have gone to WikiLeaks mm-hmm. and poured out their souls about what was going to happen. They knew what was going to happen. I don't exaggerate. Mm-hmm. The the head of the FBI office in Minneapolis said that he was, you know, this is August 2001, okay, August, September, so a couple of weeks before 9-11, He said, quote, I'm just trying to keep somebody from taking a plane and crashing it into the World Trade Center, Mm. end quote. Yes, he was that explicit. Now, what's my point here? WikiLeaks, in retrospect, would have been a safety valve, would have been something that the uh, Federal Aviation Administration red team members, some of whom I know, and who were frustrated because it was so easy to get a weapon onto an aircraft, They would have gone to WikiLeaks, published this information, and headed off what we all recognize has been a real catastrophe. So where is WikiLeaks now? Why is it that no one can see the need for some safety valve like this for whistleblowers to have some expectation of confidentiality, not risk their whole lives and livelihood? and still get warnings out that could prevent catastrophes such as we suffered mm-hmm. 20 years ago tomorrow.
0: Well put. And be loyal to their oath, as you mentioned. Listen, Ray, I wanted to close the show with just a profile. Assange has been slandered. I'm hoping that this show will help address that misconception that some people have or have adopted. Assange has just won so many awards as a journalist and a publisher just some of them include that he is a member of the European Federation of Journalists. He's won numerous media awards, including being honored with the highest award for Australian journalists. His work has been recognized by The Economist, Amnesty International, and the Council of Europe. He's the winner of the Martha Gellhorn Prize. He's been repeatedly nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, including both in 2019 and in 2020. He's produced many books, articles, and documentaries. Julian Assange and WikiLeaks have been providing an invaluable service to our democracy by revealing the very policies that betray our democracy. And we are killing him, and then we are slandering him. That is what my research has revealed, that we wish to pass on to our listeners for their considerations. I don't know if you have anything else to add, but I do want to add this, that I really appreciate the work that you do, Ray, and I wanted to let our listeners know, and maybe you can let them know as well, that to access many of the information, articles, resources that you have been citing in this interview and past interviews with us can be found on raymcgovern.com. Can you tell us a little bit more about that website? Does it have, like, a search engine or anything like that for people that are looking for specific information on specific subjects?
1: Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, uh, my son, who runs my website, he says, Dad, uh, always mention it. Thanks for making it unnecessary for me to mention it. <laughs> and he says, Dad, uh, when you mention it, always say, if you don't get it, you don't get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: that's a little bit more hubris than I'm willing to use here. But it does contain all my writings and a lot of my interviews uh, and uh, my my speeches I I put on there as well. Mm -hmm. But this is not about me. This is about Julian. And I want to close by telling your listeners that Newsweek, two hours ago, published a very, very good opinion piece written by Daniel Ellsberg, Noam Chomsky, and Alice Walker. Wow. About Assange. And I, I'd like to just cite two comments that they made. Please. One has to do with Afghanistan. They say, and I quote, Assange warned the public that the goal in Afghanistan is, quote, to have an endless war, not a successful war, end quote. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Assange summoned up his anti-war ethos at a rally in London in 2011, so 10 years ago, quote, The goal is justice. The method is transparency, he said. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. End quote. Let's all send some good vibes to Belmarsh Prison. And for those of us who are praying types, let's send up a few so that Julian can survive this ordeal that he continues to go through.
0: Thank you, Ray, for ending the show with such succinct and appropriate comments and thank you ray for for all you do as well we'll look forward to having you back on whenever we can with your busy schedule again raymcgovern.com for further information there's a number of pieces about julian assange if you want to learn more information so thank you ray so much for uh, everything you do and we will stay in touch see you next week and we go out as we do every week with land of naivety for money and hands him guilt with a cheap pimp psychologist